You're listening to Shepherd and Sports Bite, a McPherson Media Group production. It is indeed a sports bite coming to you from the Riverine Herald in Chukamima. My name's Andrew Johnston, joined by Braden May. Braden, how are we doing today? I may be well. Wonderful start with puns. <laughs> It's, that was terrible. <laughs> anyway, um, mate, it's draft week in the AFL. That's probably the biggest talking point in sport this week. There's also a bit of cricket going on. The Big Bash starts tonight for my beloved Hobart Hurricanes, but we're talking football first and foremost. Yeah, well, we all got through last night eventually. I think the pure football nuffies, as someone quoted on Twitter, called it. We're still up at 11.30 when clubs decide to take five minutes to take their picks, but our interest really peaked here in Echuca and the surrounding district this afternoon when Josh Tracy's name popped up as a Fremantle player with pick seven in the rookie draft. So congratulations to Josh. Thrilling. You put in so much work as a kid, especially during the COVID lockdown when he was doing year 12, and he gets his opportunity at a club that is on the way up. And gets to play with another local prospect with Lockie Short, who obviously is returning to the club as a rookie. He's not the only local to be picked up, however. Will Shaw from Daniloquin going to Greater Western Sydney. And a personal favourite of ours in the Chukamama, Sam Reid, finds his way back to the Giants on a rookie list. That's an amazing Sam story where he continues just to hang on. He just hangs on. That is his career. He's made a living out of it. But he will see more opportunity next year at the Giants, I reckon, because they do miss him because those players are the ones that make you a good player. Team. I'm accounting on him getting to 100 games this year as well. We'll take a brief break from football to talk a little bit of racing, Braden, because we have some good news out of the Echuca Racing Club. Yes, out of the Echuca Racing Club and just tracks across the state in general with RV announcing yesterday that spectators can increase from 500 to 1,000 and that comes just in time for Echuca's New Year's Eve Carnival, where which is one of the bigger events on the calendar and we spoke to Gary Armstrong earlier about how excited he is. Joining us on the line today, we have Gary Armstrong, who is the boss out at the Echuca Racing Club. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. Good morning, boys. How are we? We're good, thank you. How are you, mate? Yeah, going good, thanks. Yeah, good. Mate, It's it's been a good month, I guess, for racing. Obviously, you had your first meeting earlier this month where you had crowds basically since March, which is a fantastic outcome. And also there's news coming through today that the New Year's Eve meeting, which is a huge meeting for the Echuca Racing Club and for everyone in our community, you're going to be able to have a 1,000 people at the event, mate. That's got to be a great feeling for you. Yeah, definitely. You know, for us, it was, um, you know, we've sort of been waiting for that sort of stuff to come through. Um, the announcement came yesterday. So initially the what the, the government had deemed Tier 3 events, which were, were your smaller events, had been capped at 500. Um, they've doubled that to 1,000, which is terrific. Um, the Tier 2 events go up to 5,000, which we had made application or have made application for that for New Year's Eve, but they need to be judged on a case-by-case uh, scenario, and there was no guarantee that we would get the word on that or, or be approved before the date. So we were a little bit concerned that that you know that we would have been just at that 500, but but now at a minimum, you know, sorry, at a maximum of a thousand people, we can have an event. It will be a day, a really good day, and uh, you know, it will be some real atmosphere with a thousand people on courses and then. So we're we're looking forward to it. And I guess now with that a thousand person limit, it allows you to actually go and sell some packages for marquees and things in some sort of way. Most definitely. So you know, we will we'll, that will they'll hit the uh, hit the streets in in the course of probably Monday. We'll be ready to to roll them out. Um, 
yeah, it just gives a chance for people to, yeah, to, to come to the races and, and, you know, not only that sort of stuff, but, you know, the tab's back, the bookies will be back, you know. So, and I think we've had the conversation before, it's about trying to get that experience for the, for the patron back to as normal, COVID normal and COVID safe as possible. And, you know, with all those elements now coming in together, yeah, we think we can deliver that. So we look. That's that's it. That's a good part about. We're looking forward to that, mate. Obviously, the club has to do a fair bit to prepare for a meeting like this and to prepare for this COVID normal situation. And you and I have discussed this privately, and we've done it in the paper as well. But, but can you tell us a little bit of, to the community about what that is like from a racing club perspective? What you have to go through steps to make sure that the track and everything around it and the facilities around it are up to standard, and so that you can allow crowds in. Yeah, both definitely. I mean, some of the, the the basic, but but when I say basic, but they're important tick boxes that we need to cover, is that you know obviously even something as simple as the entry point. So you, you don't want your entry point to be a bottleneck. So you need to be able to keep people flowing through there. So you know that goes. And if, and if there is looks like they they you know people are starting to um, bank there, then you need to have the distance markers in place, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know something as basic as that. Um, obviously, all your touch, all your touch cleaning. So you know you have cleaners um, on throughout the day who go around and keep you know all your door handles and all those you know the touch screens, anything like that, all all kept being wiped over. Um, a COVID mask in place, just reminding people you know that you know social distancing. Um, yeah, all those sort of things. That like even payment. So you know uh, payment for for a drink or for, for somebody some food. You know is, is recommended, highly recommended as touch free. So touch and go. So all those little elements all have to be brought in together to just you know, tick all those boxes, make sure everything everything's being done correctly. And having been there myself the other week, you can just see how much work you and the committee have had to put in to get it all up and running. How much confidence do you have from that first meeting where you do rely on people doing the right thing as well, that you can up the numbers to 1,000 from 500 and really keep building on this and hopefully come a Chuka Cup day in March, you've got an even bigger crowd. Yeah, and that that was the experience. The good thing about the experience from uh, a couple of Wednesdays ago was that it gave us a, a, a really good insight into you know what we needed to have and and any of the shortcomings that we could see and how we needed to overcome them pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, it's it's about there's there's two there's obviously two aspects. So it's one is having all those all those pieces in place, but there's also some personal responsibility that you need from your patrons. You know, and and people are probably getting uh, more and more used to, you know, they go out somewhere, they've got to scan for the app to come in, they, you know, they realise they're being seated sort of slightly more apart. So people are probably becoming relatively used to the fact that the COVID normal is not like the, the 12 months ago normal. And um, and they're adapting to it, they're taking to it because at the end of the day, mate, you know, we, we want to be able to go out and have a bit of fun, you know, and, and but do it in the in the right sort of way and, and, and maintain all our... Um, yeah, all our COVID things properly. So, yeah, no, it's a coming together. We're, we're, we're feeling like we're slowly getting our heads around it properly, yeah. We're still relatively early into the racing season itself, and obviously Echuca's still got a fair few races after New Year's Eve. Is this just become a process now for you guys of building one by one and saying, okay, well, we can put a little bit more in place this time, we can get that right, and then we can put a little bit more in place next time so that when we get towards the pointy end of the season, things are really flowing exactly how everyone, not only at Echuca Racing, but everyone in country racing in general want them to be. Yeah, definitely. And that, 
And the other thing is that we, you know, as clubs all talk, you know, the managers, we talk to each other and then through Country Race Victoria who supports all the clubs. So there's always those internal conversations going on, you know, uh, Packenham experienced this or Bendigo experienced that. So, you know, you take all those learnings on board, you know, you talk to those other clubs. You know, if someone comes up with a, you know, a, a, a good idea or, or something that, that helps, then, it, you know, in no time that's been shared amongst the clubs. So that's probably one of the great advantages of having, you know, I think it's 63 or 61 clubs throughout Victoria. So, you know, we're all, we all will from now on be running events. We'll, we'll be running COVID safe events and there'll be learnings from each one that other clubs can grab little snippets out of and, and you know, helps everybody in the long run. And it, but more importantly, it probably, it helps your, um, it's going to help your customers in the long run too. So it'll just make the experience better, um, coming in smoother, getting out smoother, just all those little things will just get better and better. And I guess another one of the benefits is for the local trainers that family and friends can actually get out to the track if they don't have an ownership in the horse now and see what they're all about. Yeah, totally. And yeah, the other thing is that, you know, I think it was about a week ago, so now owners can go back to the stable. So, you know, I know that a lot of stables had the, like a traditional Sunday where on a Sunday you'd wander out to the stables and, you know, check your horse, have a look, have a chat, have a pat. You know, that, that's come back. So people can now do that again, which is another little aspect that, you know, brings that enjoyment back to it. So, yeah, slowly everything's coming. You know, all of those little pieces are coming together, which is, which is terrific. Gary Armstrong from the Uchuka Racing Club, thank you very much for taking the time today to join us on Sportsbite. Anytime, boys, and you enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk soon, and hopefully you can back a winner. Gary Armstrong from the Uchuka Racing Club there on the line. Braden, you went to the racing, as you mentioned there, about a week ago at the last Uchuka meeting. It was a good feeling just to be back watching live sport again. It was weird, if I'm honest, because it felt like so long. I guess it was something we just took for granted pre-COVID, which is only eight months ago, but it feels like a lifetime ago. And it was interesting, but everyone followed the rules and there was all rules in place. You had to pre-register. It all comes down to the whole contact tracing now. But it was awesome to see live sport, but there wasn't a massive crowd on that day. I think the best part was just a bit of a roar from the, the gallery when horses got close to the finish line. I would imagine it would be a pretty exciting time to be back nonetheless, even though the crowd wasn't quite there for that particular event, but we'll see that starting to increase over the next couple of weeks. We're going to turn our attention now to other things that are going on around the sporting region as we head around the grounds. Sports bite around the grounds. Joining us on the line today is the group editor of Sport Across McPherson Media Group, the great Tyler Ma. Tyler, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing very well uh, this afternoon. Uh, obviously, AFL draft really sort of gets the juices flowing and uh, it's been uh, an exciting, if not uh, tedious, uh, if those two things can uh, be the same, uh, across the last couple of days, but it's, uh, it's all good fun. Uh, I imagine we're in the 2035 draft by the time we're actually recording this with how long last night took. Well, how did the Shepparton boys or just for the general region go? Yeah, look, it, was, it wasn't it was um, a, a draft full of action for, for the Golden Valley region, uh, even though we had over 30 nominations. Uh, Xavier Mar, Shepparton United product, was touted pretty highly, uh, sort of late 20s, early 30s in, in most draft boards and Unfortunately, it was overlooked in, in the draft and uh, the, the rookie draft as well. So um, he'll have to, uh, you know, put in some work over, over summer and, and next season and probably one that, that suffered from, from not being able to play a full season this year, um, not being able to play much for you at all, really. So 
Um, hopefully he can uh, put together a bit more body of work and, and be drafted uh, next year. But uh, Danilo Quinn's Will Shaw, Bendigo Pioneers product, um, ended up on GWS's rookie list uh, as a Category B rookie as part of their New South Wales Academy. Uh, that was uh, sort of sorted out this morning before the, the actual rookie draft. And then, uh, obviously, uh, Josh Tracy is, uh, has ended up at Fremantle uh, after the rookie draft as well, uh, which uh, you two would be very happy about. Well, it's good news. We honestly thought we weren't too sure what to read, especially, as you said, when Xavier Marr was touted top 30 when I was watching Fox footy coverage last night and then to miss out altogether. But it's terrific news for him. But even just speaking to the Pioneers coach, Damien Trussell, a few minutes ago, as he said, Jesse Hogan's gone, Cam McCarthy's gone. So I guess their spot did open up on their list for that third tall, even second tall that Josh can play, who he compared to Brody Mycheck. Yeah, he can really sort of, crash a pack. He's like a bull in a china shop, really, isn't he? Um, He's going to, hopefully, after a couple of seasons, uh, a couple of pre-seasons under his belt, be the Fremantle, um, what they hoped to get out of Hogan, I suppose. Going back to Xavier Mar for a second, um, we know this is a weird year, and obviously, this was a weird draft for Victoria in general. Not a lot of Victorians got picked up because of that COVID situation. The one thing, Xavier, and you'd agree with me here, Tyler, has working for him is that the NAB League next year is going to under-19s, so he might have an opportunity to step up somewhere around that mark as well. Um, and on top of that, there will be a lot of recruiters watching those top-age 19-year-olds next year because they didn't get a proper run at it this year for Victoria, so... When we typically hear drafters say things about, oh, well, you know, if we don't get picked up, go away and work away in the VFL or something like that, you'll get your chance. This year really is true. It certainly is. Um, you saw a lot of uh, Western Australian and South Australian products picked up who have been playing footy against men all year, really, and, and that's been a, a real advantage for them in those state leagues where Victoria hasn't had that opportunity. Xavier um, was able to test really well um, when the testing was, able to be done. He's really quick off the mark and, and really explosive. But, um, yeah, just uh, I suppose recruiters uh, could really only pick on, on what was in front of them. And, and you know, when you're looking back at a, a season uh, that's, you know, going to be 18 months ago, really, by the time next year starts, uh, it's probably a bit too far. So, yeah, Xavier will, will go back, um, you know, unconfirmed yet whether he'll go back with the Bushies or whether he, he might uh, snag a, a VFL list somewhere. But, I'm very, very confident that, that he'll put together a, a great 12 months and um, he'll find his way to an AFL list. He, he's certainly a, a top talent. And I guess one of the benefits of if he doesn't get picked up, which is sad he doesn't, he actually can go out and play against men if he does get that VFL opportunity, which a lot of these guys don't. And I think some people forget that. You forget especially like the key position guys. They're playing against kids that are built like stick some of them and they're go- going to dominate and if he can play against men and show he belongs at that level it means he can step into an AFL environment and potentially earn a spot in the b- starting 22 from round one and that's what we saw in the first couple of picks in the draft last night Riley Threlthorpe who obviously went pick two to the Adelaide Crows Logan McDonald who went at pick four much to my chagrin to Sydney um, as a key forward who was in the le- team of the year for the waffle Denver Denver Graham Jabaras, sorry, who went to pick six to Hawthorne. These guys had the opportunity of playing against men this year and proving, hey, we can stack up against the second-tier competition of 17, 18-year-olds. Now we get the opportunity to go into the system and show that we're ready to go, and that'll give Xavier and a lot of other draft prospects around Victoria and even across the Golden Valley another opportunity to go out and play against those kind of players and prove, yeah, I do actually belong at that level. I can match it with those kind of guys. 
Yeah, certainly. Um, uh, I mean, Sam Reid was also re-rookied by GWS, uh, just to touch on that one. But yeah, you, you, you guys like, um, you know, Nick Roker, who's just been putting together three or four years now of, of superb football at, at State League um, and obviously GVL level. Uh, I, I really think that if he keeps doing that, he'll he'll certainly um, keep the recruiters uh, watching him and um, hopefully a spot opens up. And Jack Henderson from Janiloquin uh, has had a couple of great years in the VFL and then DSA NFL this year as well. So um, there's plenty, uh, you know, someone like Jai Cholcraft from Sheffield United as well will go and uh, play VFL footy next year and, uh, and will be another one that, you know, might uh, pique the interest of some recruiters down that way. Well, I guess we should change things up a bit. And while we're not seeing many taken out of the Golden Valley, the Golden Valley is bringing in some talent in the world of bowls, you t- were telling us before. Yes, certainly. Uh, it's a really exciting weekend for bowls in the Golden Valley. Uh, Matt Flapper, who is um, very familiar to, to GV Bowls fans through his work at the Victorian Open, which is hosted in the Golden Valley every year. Uh, obviously not this year, but uh, he's a former Bowls Australia International Bowler of the Year. He's a Commonwealth Games bronze medalist, has played for Australia and, and Victoria and, and coaches the under-18 um, Victorian side too, which has Kai Abrams, uh, Olivia Cartwright in it, uh, who now plays for Satura Hilltop. Uh, so Matt's coming up this weekend on a marquee permit to play for Shepherd and Golf in the grand final rematch for the Golden Valley Bowls division, uh, Shepherd and Golf against Shepherd and Park, and then is uh, hanging around for a sportsman's night. So it'll be a great day out there at Shepherd and Golf, and uh, I chatted to him for our uh, bowls podcast after the Jack, so uh, listeners can, can jump across there. Um, I'm sure you can see it uh, when you open your tab uh, for Sports Bite. Uh, so, yeah, jump across there and have a listen. And, yeah, it's, it's really exciting for bowls in the region. Tyler Lamar, thank you so much for joining us this week on Sports Bite. No worries. Pleasure to be here. I won't lie to you. I'm struggling because, as you mentioned at the top of the program, 11.30 was a late finish for the draft. Oh, it was sensational. At least Adoro provided entertainment at about quarter to 11 when he bid and then they got matched on two prospects from Fremantle and Richmond and then decided to pass. And then came back into the draft to bid on another one. I said to you yesterday, I was like, I'm going to watch until Hawthorne pass. When Hawthorne have their last pick, I'll go to bed. And then I was so tired and so out of it that I completely missed Hawthorne passing and sat there for another three or four picks and then went, oh, wait, we're out of the draft and went to bed. Oh, it was a weird old night, but... Yeah, the sport is on the way back. I think, as you said, we got big bash cricket this weekend. Hopefully, a return of sport across the region where it's not too hot, not too wet, and I think we're all looking forward to actually having something decent to report on. Absolutely, we will be. Braden, what have you got planned for the weekend? I've got to do my Christmas shopping. It's going to be hectic. Wish me luck, everyone. Absolutely. As for me, big night ahead with the return of the big bash. Go the mighty Hobart Hurricanes. That was Shepparton Sports Bite, brought to you by McPherson Media Group.